Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. I don't want to wait for the draft to be over. I have a Dawson's Creek shirt on. Uh, welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Excited to be here. Excited to have this big, bright, warm light shining on me as I wear a sweater. The light of... You're, that's, that's not a sweater. This is a sweater. You have a sweater underneath a suit jacket? This is a wool sweater. That was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, just so today. our fans are know, it is June in Los Angeles, and ah. Ben Bateman is wearing a coat over a sweater. Yeah, but June... Glo- L.A., contrary to popular belief, has a gloomy June. I'm it's not true. gloomy. Visit I'm excited. September. September is the pretty Los Angeles. I am, so there's no lines in Disneyland. I am excited because we are talking about Modern Horizons. This yeah. today is on the Masters of Modern, our official set review, part one. The last time we did a set review was for War of the Spark, which is an exciting set, mind you. Yeah. And it took us like four hours. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was three episodes long. Uh, and, and part of that is it, just, it was a very deep set. We also decided to review every single Planeswalker at one point, which we then pulled back on, but that was where we started. Um, now, this set... Uh, so we had 130 cards pulled. I have the saved card file. We didn't do all those cards, yeah. but when I did a similar pulling of cards for this set that had yeah. a similar mind about how we were evaluating cards, we had 170. So this set is definitely more depth. Now, interesting enough, if you look at complaints online, a lot of people are like, you know, there's the joke of Commander Masters because people think that everything should just be for them and not for everyone when Wizards makes a product. But... Beyond just the fact that, you know, there are a few pieces for every main deck. Like, right. I, I literally declared online on Twitter, can you name a deck that didn't get a piece? And as people would bring up stuff, I'd show pictures of those things that they would be fine. Beyond that, they've now opened up a bunch of new strategies. Like, yep. there's a bunch of cards that, like, do something that has never existed. You know, there's there's an Entomb now for artifacts. Yeah, there's, awesome. You know, so there, which that wasn't a deck that wanted that before, but now could be. So there's a lot to go through. Um, I was looking at our producer and laughing because he's holding a bag of kettle chips and he has a microphone now and and the speed with which he was trying to take the chip out of the bag and chew it silently. Can you just give us a nice chip crunch on on sound? <laughs> it was amazing. It made it reminded me of, <laughs> crunch, of, of Drax crunch. eating a Zerg nut. Uh, <laughs> we can't see you move. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway. I mean, the uh, good thing is I can mute my own track yeah. if I'm just sitting here wharfing <laughs> that down. Chip, that chip crunch was. It's loud enough to reach our, our microphone. Everything we needed. So yeah. that, that is Marshall James, our producer, uh, who is going to be here helping us get through this set review. Um, this is the Masters of Modern podcast. We talk about modern on this show. Uh, and this is the most exciting modern set that has ever come out since we started the show. It's a set literally designed for our format. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. It's been referred to by a lot of people as Time Spiral 2, including Marrow, because it is well, that. It was, it was pitched as that. So when they were designing the set, it didn't start as a set to print stuff into modern. It started as a time spiral sequel because they right. realized that that set is beloved by right. everyone including you uh i didn't play one time spiral came out but every time i go through it it looks amazing it's uh, and, still my favorite yeah set too future uh, site is my favorite ever but time spiral well, is very close well there's there's my rumors that to the whole block, the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but they felt that there's enough of an audience for that type of set if they made it not you know in the conspiracy battle bond Right. summer drafting set position and designed it for that. But then we also realized that putting cards in the modern made it extra exciting. And and so there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Most of it's cool. Like, you know, everyone walking into this, and me included, was expecting them to just be like, all right, counterspell, force of will here, right. nice land. Uh, I remember, I guess it on the Command Zone, our sister podcast that you should all go listen to. Jimmy and Josh host Commander Content every week. Uh, and we did like top 10 prediction cards, or th- th- I think it was cards that they want reprinted for Commander. Can they be printed in this set? Is it too powerful? And their original list they sent to me had like Demonic Tutor and Strip Mine. (laughs) And I was like, those are banned in like vintage. (laughs) So so a couple things to point out here on this episode today. Um, The first one is going to be that Alex and I have, I think like 130 to 150 cards pulled. And one of the rules we have is that if the card comes up, we start talking about it. And one of us is like, this card's not, we shouldn't be talking about this. The other one has about 10 seconds to pitch the card as relevant to talk about, and then it gets just vetoed. Our, our producer here is going to give us the nod if we move on or not. Ready to rip. Uh, because there are so many cards. And it's also hard to know, like, something I really noticed about this set was, and I always kind of use the same example, but the example I like to use of a card whose power level is high, but is not quite there, is Monastery Mentor. It's one of my favorite cards. I always think that card's incredible. Um, 
it's like so cool and pushed, but just not quite there because it costs three, because it doesn't do anything right when it comes well, down. And that's a little bit of, you know, some of these cards are power level is really high in a vacuum and it's just modern's not the format for it. So for instance, Monastery Mentor is arguably almost too powerful and vintage, but then you put it into modern, exactly. there's not enough moxes in the format to be able to make it work. So I always, I, I always think about that card as kind of the standard of where the power level of card is that I would love to play, but I can never find a way to quite make work. And I think this set includes a lot of cards that feel a lot like that, where maybe they're going to be made to work, but the CMC or maybe the archetype they fit into just isn't quite pushed enough to know this is a list but we want to give everything a chance. So we're going to try to talk about as many cards as we possibly can that we think are cool. Uh, and that is going to be how today's episode well, works. And that's what our podcast is about. I mean, like Massive Modern has always committed itself towards, you know, taking cool strategies and ideas and making them and seeing how can you make it work, asking what does this need to work more than talking about why this doesn't work, right? So it's, it's, it's you want to always want to take a positive spin on things. It's... The- it, it's it's the optimistic podcast. Yes. Yeah. And, Your and, deck box is half full. Yes. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, that's where Lantern Control comes from. That's where Amulet decks came from. Yeah, where, right. You know, before Amulet got two decks into a top eight, it was a joke meme deck that people knew, didn't think was good enough. And then right. the right people took the good enough players, took it seriously, tuned it during a pro tour and was able to make it a real deck. So it's, I, I would recommend everyone in the world when evaluating cards don't look at them as like oh this doesn't immediately fit into tron meaning it's bad look at it as oh how can i make this card work and what would be needed to make it work so uh all right we are going to cover a couple pieces of news really quickly before we get into the full show because it's been an exciting week for magic the gathering so crazy stuff has happened um first thing yesterday uh, today is Tuesday, so on Monday, it was announced that the London Mulligan is official. Yes. It's, it's coming to Magic. It's not just going to be at a Mythic Championship. It's going to be what we all play with going forward. And we have a few episodes, if you go back in the library, and we'll link them in the show notes as well, that we kind of went over what the London Mulligan means. We had uh, Nick Prince on, uh, who then participated in the Pro Tour where they tested it out and was going through the testing process on how that would work, uh, talking about what the London Mulligan means. So we definitely recommend going to that. We'll definitely do an episode in the future once we're done with the Modern Horizon set review. Yep. Wizards gave us too much to talk about all at once. Uh, in fact, everything we talk about in news probably could be its own episode. Right. Uh, Just so you guys know, in case you're watching this because you want to hear the set review on this set, the London Mulligan is effectively, you draw your seven. If you don't like it, you reshuffle, you draw another seven, and then you put one back. And each time you take a Mulligan... You put one less card in your hand. You put you shuffle the other two or the other three back in on right. the bottom. Um, and uh, I think I explained that and we'll, badly. And we'll but also for sure link towards the announcement so you can see exactly what Wizard's reasoning was and all that stuff. Um, so I, yeah. So it's just a different way to do it, and it's going to be what we do competitively going forward. So Alex and I will talk about that. The other big piece of news uh, is that you're starring in the Magic cartoon TV series. No. Oh my gosh, are you? <laughs> I like this. You got me. There was like a hot second where I was like, <gasps> I wish I was breaking bad news. Uh, no, Magic has announced that uh, Hasbro has, has partnered with Netflix, and we're going to get the Russo brothers, who are behind uh, You, Me, and Dupree, as well as other things. Uh, Arrested um, Development. <laughs> uh, they got their, you know, they really started directing on Arrested Development. So there's got to be some like, yeah. uh, what's the the stair car? The Avengers Endgame people. That's yeah. what all yeah. the yeah. 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 Okay. yeah, we're 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 burying. Yeah, I didn't the see lead, Avengers Marshall. Endgame. So they, I don't they did know. Winter Soldier. Uh, they, Have they you did seen Infinity War, War yet? No. Has Infinity War been spoiled for you yet? No. Cool. I mean, I'm aware that Thanos snaps his fingers and stump and like people die, but like I don't know who the people are. So just so you know, if you cut me off shortly during our contests, there, you know, I might spoil some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, long story short, the Russo brothers no. are behind. They're behind the uh, the production on this, so they are not the guys that are directing it, but uh, they're really, really, really creatively like genius guys and, and awesome. Well, they're and really, they played yeah. magic. They play magic, which is why they're behind this and why they wanted to do this. And so we aren't sure yet what level of animation it's going to be, but we know there's an animated series coming, and it was a big announcement all over Variety and Deadline and a lot of the publications that I either work for or interact with all the time. We're reporting on this yesterday, which is really, really cool for me because that entertainment side of my life very rarely touches magic. Right, right. I mean, it, it's definitely really cool we've talked about a bunch of magic kind of the magic movie what was announced a while ago and and live action i don't think ever was going to be like live action as a tv show i don't think is ever going to be able to be capable of doing the type like the show is about magic right and magic is a special effect 
or a visual effect bare minimum. And the amount and extent of that needed to be able to do a magic show justice, I don't think is feasible in a, in a, in a, in a show, but for a cartoon or animated series, you now open up the world of the limit. I just hope it's more leaning towards 2d and they do something more in line with avatar, the last airbender or uh, samurai Jack, or even teen Titans or the old Batman animated series versus the new 3D style that's really popular and kind of inexpensive to do. So you get like the Dragon Prince did that. There's the, you know, the Star Wars cartoon shows, um, but we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I think it would make, it, it makes a lot of sense for it to be more traditional, like hand style seeming, considering the hand style art of magic right. is so integral to magic's look and feel to do, you know, very CGI looking animation or doing live action would seem strange in a, and, and and fascinatingly enough, the the production company that is currently signed on to do the animation is known for doing both. So they did Rick and Morty. They did um, <laughs> Magic uh, as Rick and Morty. Uh, Teen Titans Go, uh, which and also the production company that did Teen Titans. And then they also were the people behind the Dragon Prince, which is the three D design by the same guys who did Avatar: The Last Airbender. And but that show is famous for taking that three D design animation tv show style and trying to make it as 2d as possible so we'll see it's going to be it's going to be interesting probably as we said on the mulligan rule there's going to be a whole episode where we get to talk about this later on i'm sure there will be in fact because as more details come out about it we will get information and we will try to share that information and break it down but uh today we are going to do part one of our set review for modern horizons which we're very excited about a couple quick shout outs before we do that you guys are listening to the Masters of Modern Podcast. We are available all over the place on the internet. If you want to support us, you can find us on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. I'm at Kess Wiley, and you can use either of those screen names pretty much on every social media service. Just uh, about. If you guys want to follow along with our sister podcast, The Command Zone, they do both Command Zone as well as Game Nights. Jimmy Wong and Josh Lee Kwai make unbelievable content. We've been doing, uh, a, you know, I'm basically on a sister network with them for years of our lives now, so please go support them. They deserve it. Uh, we currently host the number one modern uh, focused Facebook group. So make sure to go follow there. If you want a cool deck list idea or a cool idea and want to be part of the community, great place to get into discussions. It's growing all the time. There's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of modern players that are always interacting on there. So check that out. Um, if you're watching this or listening to this, uh, give us a rating or review on iTunes. If you have to be watching on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, let us know what you think about what we're saying. It is the single most important thing you can do to keep this thing growing. And the last one that I'm going to mention... I was going to say for YouTube, subscribe and hit the little bell. There's a little bell next to subscribe. Hit both buttons. Because the notifications. Yeah. Then you could know when we're doing stuff. We're, uh, ben, you know, we might start doing live content. We record this podcast live occasionally. Um, Patreon.com slash the MMCast. Patreon.com slash the MMCast helps us keep going. And Alex and I are going to be attending some events soon. So be sure to stay tuned at the end of the show. We will tell you guys where you can find us, what's coming up. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So we're going to start with white because Wooberg order is a thing that the internet is obsessed with enough about that. Wooberg well, means uh, all the colors. I learned that live on the show once. Uh, white, blue, <laughs> black, red, green. It is the way to say all the colors together, but it's also an order. So... It, on the card back and the way Wizards designs the cards and everything around them goes white, blue, black, red, green. And when people do stuff out of order, you get comments. Maybe we should do it out of order just to like get people annoyed at us and to comment on the wall. I, you know, I, I'm not much of an OCD person, but if we started doing it out of color order, I think my eye would start twitching. Right, fine. We'll start with white. But if because of that, please thank us for it in the comments. Everybody. And remember, guys, remember we I get, could have been doing black cards can get vetoed here. We get that's a ten second rule. What's the first card? Uh, this card will not be vetoed. It's Giver of Ruins. This, this is the, the the non-human mother of ruins that is now in modern. Uh, I've heard. I've heard. Uh, Aunt. I've heard stepmom. I've heard core mom. Uh, is one white for a core cleric one two instead of a one one. Uh, you can tap it to give another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn. So this allows for those who don't know mother of ruins also known as mom is the same card except it's a one one it's a human and it can target itself but right. can't pick colorless. Yeah, so, so this gets a bump of two power uh, can now choose toughness. colorless. I'm sorry, a, a bump of two toughness can now name colorless, but can no longer target itself. Which is always, it's been one of the interesting play patterns with Mother of Runes for years is that it's a very reactive card that, you know, you can always, no matter what they do, you can always respond to it. Uh, this card, if you bolt it, is going to die. Uh, so that's a thing. But this card fits into so many decks in modern. Like, uh, for instance, if, uh, if, if Infect wanted to just 
start playing white. Like, this card's a sweet card to have an infect if you want to put this card into... You can even just put this into humans, honestly. I mean, it's not a human, but you probably could just play it in humans. Well, and this is also... This opens up all the Death and Taxes decks. This opens up to the Collected Company decks that existed or any of the Malira combo or... or And even, like, elves might want to play a card like this. The, the fact that you can target it is a negative. It's a gameplay positive. Like, Mother of Ruins is problematic towards being able to answer those decks um, and is probably too powerful. This also lets it kind of fight off Tron or makes it so you can't block with a... Um, a warm coil engine, which is obviously helpful, but the the you know key factors being a one two is important. Like this is a world where Gutshot is played. Like they're you know in the world of Deathrite Shaman, the fact that it was a one two was always extremely frustrating. There were cards that like Dredge, for instance, wanted to play that couldn't answer it. Gutshot was a bad answer to it. And there's a really good article, and I forget who wrote it. Um, and hopefully we'll find it in the future. Uh, but basically they kind of broke down why. Oh, Sam Black. Uh, or Ari Lax. It was one of the two. <laughs> but basically the idea is like parody and modern and like why Fatal Push changed the way the game works and why Spellskite is bad. That's what it was about. It was Ari Lax. Uh, so why Spellskite is bad is because you don't want your answers to trade unfavorably and mana matters a lot for that. And so, yes, you are one for one for cards, but if I answer your three drop with my Lightning Bolt or Fatal Push, you're so far behind on mana. Right. But because Mother of Runes is one for one, even though you answered it, we're at parity and you had to spend your momentum to stop my one, two for one. And I'm still moving ahead with my game plan. And the last piece of this, and there's going to be other cards we talk about today. This is tutorable. Like there are multiple cards that tutor for one drops and, or even the better tutors in the world are better because they can tutor like being able to use Eldorami's call and the same turn play this card yep. versus a larger creature is really important. I think one last thing to talk about with this card is uh, classically, well, okay, there there was a deck called Maverick in Legacy for a long time people played that used Mother of Runes mm-hmm. and, and lots of green-white creatures. It hasn't been a deck that's popular for, I think, a long time. Hey, it's become humans. There's So there's a version of this you could sort of play in modern, but then I think the last thing is that white weenie decks for years and years in all formats have just been a thing, like a mono-white deck that is aggressive. Uh, and in modern, there hasn't really been like the soldier's deck or anything like that. You haven't made it like a mono-white deck. It does make me think that the printing of this card allows you to probably focus a little bit more. Like there are a lot of powerful soldiers that have been printed over the years mm-hmm. that I do wonder, is well, there something I'm missing? Like this soul, card yeah. just seems good. And like generally. Soul Sisters is a card. Yes. And, uh, or a deck. And like Proclamation of Rebirth decks also. So even if they're able to kill this, they can use Proc Rebirth to bring it back. Like there are a ton of different ways to interact with one drop creatures in white on top of the fact that this is just going to be generically good in Eldrazi Death and Taxes decks and also, Coco decks that are trying to combo out. Yeah, let's talk about a combo deck. I mean, this protects your combos. Yeah. yeah. On Thin Ice, one white snow enchantment aura enchant na- Snowland you control when on thin ice enters the battlefield, XL target creature and opponent controls until on thin ice leaves the battlefield. So, okay, let's it's, it's chained to rocks except for snow and it's a snow permanent. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to target a mountain. It can target any of your snow lands. So if you're playing a bunch of snow basics, this is in blue white control that, that just probably wants to play a bunch of basics. They can play a bunch of blue white basics. It's probably good. Well, I, yeah, I think, I think the big upgrade here and, and I think this card is maybe still missing the mark, but, I think Chandra Rocks was close. It had one big thing against it, in my opinion. It's that it was a white card that needed a mountain in play. Yeah. And what this allows you to do is have a white, a planes in play, and then cast this on on that thing. The other feature on this is, and we'll get into that as we continue, there are cards that care about the number of snow permanents you have in play. Right. And the fact that this can build that count for one mana on a very relevant effect that's classically been very good is something to talk towards. So I do think this is a key piece of any at least white-based snow permanent deck yep. moving forward. Um, and I'm excited to see if this sees play. I don't think this is ever going to play over, for instance, Path to Exile. But if you can take advantage of its snow permanent type then I think there's a reason to play it. Is it? Uh, it's is an aura land. It is? it is an aura. So boggles might also have. That's a what reason. I was just gonna say. You might play this in boggles. It's interesting. I think the other thing too here that's cool about this card is, uh, and this is this is a little more fringe. This is what our podcast is about. Zur the Enchanter has been a thing in uh, Commander for years. Is like one of the most powerful uh, commanders. It's a right? thing in modern. And, yeah, people. There's play a Zur the modern deck. Yeah, but the difference between having an Dorn. Oblivion Ring in your deck that can get searched up by this is that if you draw Oblivion Ring on turn one, you're not that stoked. If you have this on turn one in a Zur deck that happens to play some Snow Basics, it's a fine draw in your opening hand to keep you alive long enough to cast a four mana engine. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a cool thing because that card has been fringe for players for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they continue to print more strong enchantments, 
you know, and I don't think there's a basic enchantress deck you can really play in modern, but well, Boggles is is, is probably the closest enchantress. Now there's more pieces to that, and I think they'll keep adding them. Sorry, table and sound. I should get rid of that. Uh, yes, I think I think Boggles would be the best place for this as far as taking advantage of enchantments for yep. now. Uh, I do think we're going back to Theros in the next three hundred and sixty five days, and with that being added, wizards last time we went felt that constellation was a miss not as a bad mechanic but as a mechanic that wasn't supported enough and want to be visited in a harder way so i can think that would be better in that world they gave us a three mana um it was in it was in the last core set right the 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 satyr enchantress the yeah right satyr enchantress there's a few because there's the white one too the white enchantress from planar chaos but Mm -hmm. they've recently printed one in green white which leads me to believe that if we go back to theros i wouldn't be surprised if they printed another sweet enchantress they pushed it and and if that is the case, then I think this card could get a little bit of an extra push. Right. So what's next? Uh, next is Gilded Light. This is one in a white instant. You gain Shroud until end of turn, cycling two. It's a reprint. Gilded Light, I believe. Yes. Is it? Is it? Cool. it is oh, a reprint right from Onslaught. So am I correct that if someone targets me with Thoughtseize and I cast this, I no longer get Thoughtseize? Correct. Okay. So in reality, this is a sideboard card. This is a for decks who don't think they can get Leyline into play in a way. Now with the Mulligan rule changing, I think that's less likely even... But the fact that you can cycle it means it's not dead against decks that maybe late game you draw this and they're they're top decking, you're top decking, you don't need it. So it does have a a benefit over the ley lines in that way. It cycles. I mean, like you and I have talked about this for a long time. When you put cycling two and it's colorless on a card, it just increases the value of the card so much that like I don't mind playing one or two of these in the sideboard in certain matchups just because like I don't care that much if I draw it in the wrong situation. Right. Um, but I think that's about all we need to say about it. It's, it's like a white counterspell ish. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you want this in a world where burn is bad and jund is good. And yeah. Leyline is better in a world where both are good, and the chances that both are good is low. Well, and I think it's a relevant reprint if we're going to get to Astral Drift in a moment, but it, I think it's worth talking about when we get to Astral Drift because yeah, 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 it's a, a, a sort of a pseudo-cycling counterspell. Yes, if, if now that you have enough things in the format where taking advantage of when something cycles trigger effect, it does become much more relevant. Moving on. Uh, Winds of Abandon. Uh, one in a white. Uh, sorcery. Exile target creature you don't control. For each creature exiled this way, its controller searches their library for a basic land card. Those players put those cards onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle their library. So Overload I'm going to almost veto this card. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to sell me. You're almost vetoing it or are you I, vetoing I it? I think I'm vetoing it. Okay. <laughs> you have to choose. You can't almost. Uh, so Path is playable in Modern. Uh, what's the what's the white settle the wreckage? Settle the wreckage is also playable. This is a mediocre version of both, but gives you the versatility of a using it when you want to. You don't need them to attack, and you don't have to bait them into an attack. You get to choose at six mana late game in a control deck that wants this effect late game to be able to take advantage of it, or if you need to use it as a a, a medium removal spell as your fifth path early game. The people of our these white decks, especially the red white ones that are playing, um, what's it called on one chalice on one, mm-hmm. are looking for good two mana removal spells and so this in that deck gets around chalice sees playing blue white control decks that get to six mana no problem as a board wipe that can also be used as a removal spell this is a much more versatile version of wrath of god because it exiles too it's not just destroy i don't think this is a veto card this card is going to see play i was on the fence which i almost said almost um i think that's as much as we need to say about it the, the chalice point is really interesting uh the fact that obviously in a control deck you're going to get to six my one thing about that though is it's maybe a one of because there are so many options that are almost superior to this that it makes me think maybe this ends up in sideboards as a one of in a deck that you absolutely need a wrath late game. I think this is more main deck for the reason that you just described. The fact that this lets you have a wrath in your main deck if you need it, but then is good against most decks as a single removal spell gives you the versatility of not having to be in your sideboard. Fair. I do agree it's only a one of, but that's most card and control decks. I mean, at this point, Blue-White could literally just play Singleton of every card other than Narset. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it does get better in a world with Tefri Time Rattler. Yeah. And it answers it answers Phoenixes pretty well. Like, there's the fact that it exiles and it's a better exile effect for White, this is probably the second best exile effect in Modern. It's playable. Let's move on. You've sold me. Yeah, you guys were going to veto me, and then I w- worked my way back up there. Uh, Astral Drift? It's never going to work. <laughs> to veto you is what I'm talking about. It's never going to work to veto you. No, no, there are cards that you'll veto me, and I'll move on. But like last, when we did War of the Spark, that happened all the time. Yeah. But that was because I wanted to talk about every planeswalker. Uh, Astral Drift, two and a white enchantment. Whenever you cycle Astral Drift or cycle another card while Astral Drift is on the battlefield, you may exile target creature. If you do, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. At the beginning of the next end step, cycling to white, you may discard this card, then draw a card. So, 
Obviously, Astral Slide was an old card from Onslaught, I think. Um, it was a popular card back in the day. Back in the day, it was Astral Slide and uh, Astral Rift, I think, is the red one that burned, right? Lightning, Lightning Rift. Lightning Rift. Yeah. And so back in the day, those were decks, and there's a lot of cycling cards in Modern. There's space to play with this card. Uh, I don't totally know if bringing it down on three... It's hard to interact with because it's an enchantment, so I think that's an advantage to this Remember, card. there's free cycling in the format. So you can play this and cycle Street Wraith. Wraith. You just hold it up. And or Edge of Autumn. Speed, or Edge of Autumn. Both of those you can do kind of at instant speed, making it so that it's hard to interact with. It's hard to attack into this. You also have, obviously, all the new cycle lanes that we'll get to and are, are super exciting for many reasons. This is one of them. There is a version of a green-white X color uh, cycle deck that's also taking advantage of just getting lands in your graveyard, like a pseudo-land version with this that takes advantage of Knight of the Reliquary. Like there's, that's, that is a deck that now has the possibilities that is much more mid-rangey. And you do have just a cycle deck that's taking advantage of. There's the blue, um, the Drake one, the Drake enchantment. Drake Haven. Drake Haven. Right, right. You, and like, so there's now, after Almonkhet, enough Cycles Matters cards already. All right. That like Astral Slide and Drake Haven together now gives you two different versions of uh, an effect that's really strong. And the fact that like one of the problems with Astral Slide, Astral, I'm going to never get Drift. the right one. It's Tokyo me. Drift. Well, Astral Slide is the original one. Yeah. Right. So, so this the, is problem, the problem with Astral Slide oh. is that it, because it didn't have cycling, multiples never didn't necessarily get better. Yeah. This lets you get rid of the other one to trigger the one you already have in play. So I, and I do think it triggers itself when you cycle it. Yes, it's an on-cycle trigger. So if you draw a second one, you get to exile two creatures and draw a card for three mana instant speed uncounterable, which is not bad. Yeah. Oh, whenever you cycle it, or oh yeah, I'm, so that's pretty. Cool. I'm pretty sold on it. Uh, like it, it does a really favorable interaction with like Snapcaster Mage and Eternal Witness that I really mm -hmm. like. Well, there's yeah. I mean, the proclamation of rebirth decks that I mentioned. There have been mono white like Blinky using Flicker Wisp at instant speed, yeah. Sun Titan yep. decks that have been yeah, around yeah. that like are always just on the verge. And this is very powerful in that deck without any other cycle features. Yeah. I also think like this, this is a really interesting card in a uh, two creature combo deck where your whole deck cycles and you basically are using this to survive and then cycle your own creatures out of play when they try to kill them. And then eventually just them running out of answers and you winning it's like right. a two creature yeah, combo. Yeah. It's like a pretty interesting engine. Yeah, and it does cute things with like I've thought about a Naya version of this that gets to play like Huntmaster of the Fells mm -hmm. and uh, along with Ewit and that sort of thing. So you're just getting a lot of sweet value out of your cycles yeah, too. Like I think there is a cycle deck, and I think this card is very powerful to be a part of it. I also think people love that style of deck. So yeah. regardless of people's interest in how like top eightable it is, this is an F this deck exists as an FN deck immediately. Like this is going to be my people will be playing this sure. in FNMs around. As much as people play Eternal Command, this is better. Yeah. Um other card, Night of Autumn. Yeah. We didn't mention Dope. as a good thing to blink in and out of play. Really good. Uh, next card is uh, King of the Pride, two and a white cat. Other cat you control get plus two, plus one. It's a two one. You I guys are saying no. Vito. I've seen like. I vetoed this earlier also, but it came back. <laughs> I've seen 30 lists online already by people excited to play Cat Tribal. Loam Lion and. Yeah, Loam. Because you, know, you get. There's enough one mana and two mana powerful cat creatures and cat creature token makers that this goes bonkers with. It's just, it costs three is the problem. I know but some lords. But it's plus two, plus one. Like, the yeah. lords you're playing that are costing th two give plus one, plus one. So this makes things into four sixes. From the perspective of this being a cool tribal deck that you can play if you want to, right. fine. From the perspective of, is this cool tribal deck anywhere near as good as the extremely good tribal decks we already have? Not even close. I don't know if that's... I think this could be better than... Like the soldier deck you just started talking about. Soldiers isn't a real deck. But like collected companying in this is totally a thing. Like, and the problem with collected company in Merfolk, for instance, that people run into is that collected company is best when you are getting six mana for four. Yeah. And this is the type of lord you want off of that effect. And right. the fact that that deck is playing a bunch of creatures, can go into 18 lands and collected companies is something relevant. Could be cool. Remains to be seen. Moving on. Ranger Captain of Eos. One white, white. Human Soldier, when Ranger Captain of Eos enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost one or less, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library, sacrifice Ranger Captain of Eos, your opponents can cast creature spells this turn. It is a 3-3. Three, three. Can't cast creature spells this turn, right? Sacrifice Ranger Captain of Eos, your opponent can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Oh, non-creature spells. Okay, so... A um, couple things about this card that I think are really cool. The first one is I really, really like that the three mana mythic cycle of creatures that are in this set, and it's not like a whole cycle, but like this and the Pyromancer, they're very, very cool. They're flavorful. They're pushed. They're like exactly the kind of card that I'm excited to brew around. 
Um, maybe just this and Season Pyromancer are the two that come to mind. Are you excited about flavor? N- not the flavor of who are you? Ben Bateman's excited you? about flavor. But like the design of the card. Like I love that the idea of this. Like this can get me. This can get me a creature. Maybe that creature is a combo creature. Maybe I, I need to sacrifice this to protect my combo. I feel creature. like you're saying that you're excited that this is like an older, better version of Ranger Vios because he's trained in the story of this card to be a better card. He's no. he's a little bit more efficient. He's a three three instead of a three two. I like the idea he's of drawing a ranger this. captain, not just a captain. I like the idea of this card. <laughs> I I feel like when I th- when I look at this card, I know that for years I'm going to be trying to find ways to use this card in decks that I want to build that are weird because it searches for some creature that's going to be part of a thing I want to do and it's a good enough card on its own and probably I need to protect the weird things I'm doing so this allows me to do that too. It's got a good rate. I just I like this card a lot. So. On the like good side of this, yeah. uh, Ranger of Vios is a modern staple since the format existed. Yeah. It's always like a one-of in Coco decks or in Birthing Pod decks, but it Soul tutors for, in Soul Sisters. It tutors for pieces of combo decks and also really powerful things. And now on top of that, we have the uh, Core Mom um, or Ant. Uh, and this will see play in those decks. It's better in those decks because now this could be played in Collected Company, put into play off of a Collected Company to go find your Mr. Seer or other cards that we'll talk about when we get into Black. Or if you're talking about the Infinite Mana version with, with Devoted Druid, this comes into play off a Collected Company gets you your walking ballista that you need after you have yes, infinite mana correct. to win the game. Yeah, yeah, which and, is sick. Which and is, you, before you cast your spell, you sack him to make sure your opponent can't counter your right. combo as yeah, you're this going is, off. This is just talk, like, I would, this card would see a ton of play if it was just the first half of its text. Yep. Uh, the fact that on top of that, it is a, sometimes I can protect my, my board state. So like, if I'm a, being aggressive and attacking and I'm playing against a deck that might have a board wipe, I can sack at the beginning of their upkeep so that they can't wipe my board. I can sacrifice it during my turn. So before I go off, so I can cast all my spells that just go infinite. Like he's just a staple of every creature combo deck, unless they can't cast double white. That's and, like the one thing he has against him. And on top of that, he is human, correct? He is a human. So there's, <laughs> so now he's a three mana human that gets you another one of your one mana humans. Like, Pretty pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, well, this guy, this, this one might be the strongest white card in the set. I think it's this or the core. I think those are the two the yeah. the two things I would be pointing at. Getting the core is pretty damn good. Uh there's some dope ones, but yes, I do think it's yeah. up there. This starts. This set's so good. Because the next the next card is uh, <laughs> Vesper Lark, uh, two and a white uh, creature elemental flying. When Vesper Lark leaves the battlefield, return target creature card with power one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Evoke one and a white. It's a two one. Uh, Baby Revelark is dope. <laughs> I mean, for kind of all the reasons we just talked about, but instead of from your deck, from your graveyard. <laughs> the thing about this set that I'm so excited about is, and, and again, like we at the end of the show, we'll talk for a second about Islander and and kind of that format because we're trying to push it, and I love it. But there are so many cards that do, do such cool things, and I want to like be inventive with playing Magic um, in this set. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what this is going to be yet. I, I looked at this card and I was like. This is going to show up in all my brews for years because I'm going to try to find some way to break this card. And mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. And I love that it's a 2-1 flyer for three because already I'm happy to be playing that. Like, right. I just like that I can just play this. And maybe if I'm playing tempo, I can just kill you with my 2-1 flyer. But like, also, this has all kinds of combo, combo well, implications. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you can play it to eventually buy back a creature that died earlier in the game. Or you can just, evo- if you're like, I need a combo right now and I need to get this Viscera Seer in play so I can win, you can evoke it right then. Like, there's, there's that, that collectible or combo deck got a bunch of pieces this set. And that doesn't, you know, then we get talking about Soul Sisters, where not only does this buy your sister back, this can trigger your other sisters that are in play to be able to, because it's a creature entering play. It's not just a spell. It's a creature entering the battlefield and dying. So you get that trigger as well. It's a spirit or an elemental? It is a elemental. 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 Yeah, they're elementals. Um, Something I've always been on the lookout for is how many sweet elementals they keep printing because we have an elemental land and there are enough enough, uh, creature lands now in the five color creature lands that... Between 12 five-color lands, if they make enough sweet elementals eventually, there's going to just be a five-color elementals deck, which will be awesome. Sure. Um, and so this card, you know, anytime there's a good one. Yeah, that's the kind of the key with all creature types. And it's kind of the thing with cats is is eventually they print enough of a creature type that there is a deck around it. Like, this, we're going to get in the slivers eventually, and I think we're going to wait until we do the gold color because that's where we'll be able to talk kind of about all of them at once. Um, but there's already been a slivers deck that's done well at GPs, yeah, yeah. and yeah. it just was a version of the humans deck that played slivers, and they got a bunch 
bunch of new tools added to their suite. And, and this to Elementals is the same kind of deal. And it's also relevant, like, not only are there all these really cool one power creatures, there's a lot of cool zero power creatures, including every clone ever printed. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Vesper Lark gets back any clone style creature. And it is to the battlefield. So if people don't aren't grasping that, it's not just into your hand. It is you get to put this into play. So they're every clone there's the artifact the big artifact guys a uh, pentavite pentavite oh yeah you can reanimate a pentavite with this yes that's insane yeah or or the or the six mana one too pentavite's a seven mana zero zero construct that comes in into the battlefield with five plus one plus one counters you can pay one and remove a plus one plus one counter from it to create a thopter token oh no well a pentavite token are you yeah. talking about pentavus or a pentavite well, oh, Pentavite's the token. Sorry, yeah. Pentavus is the creature. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the one that just does damage? That That's Triskelion. This also can get Triskelion back. Oh, yeah, that too. And and the goblin can put it in your graveyard with Entomb. So that's Sick. as in a tomb. So that's that's a thing. <laughs> so so Vesper Lark Goblin might be a. Uh... That's yeah. I mean, I don't know how good getting either of those big artifact creatures in the play is, but it's cool. Uh, next card is Battle Screech. Two white, white sorcery. Create two one white, white. Two one one white bird creature tokens with flying flashback tap three untapped white creatures you control. Um, um, I really like this card. I have always been a fan of this card. I actually don't quite know how good it's going to be in modern because we already have between lingering souls and spectral procession really efficient ways to get creatures and to cast the first half of it you still have to sink four mana into it. Well, but there's a ton of red white black tokens decks that have like Faithless Looting and Bedlam Reveler and ways to get spells in your graveyard that them are actively looking for a second copy of Lingering Souls to be able to be able to play it from the graveyard. And the fact that this is free right. or can be free from your graveyard is super powerful. No, I mean, I was, like I said, I'm excited about it. I just, when I, when I look at it, I wonder like, they have to be white creatures. So like, for instance, the creatures that you get off of a young pyromancer don't do anything. Sure. It has to be white, which means you're going to probably be playing this in a tokens deck more than the other deck you're talking about. Well, but that deck plays Lingering Souls. So this with Lingering Souls works. Those are white tokens. So li- Souls, Flashback, Souls, Flash, this back is great. Yeah. Again, I'm like, I think it'll be good. I just don't think it's going to be quite as like insane as I always imagined it would be. I don't think it's an insane card. I just do think it is a huge piece to add to these token decks. And these yeah. token decks are getting a push in this set specifically. And this is a piece of that. Um, um, I, what I do like with this card, uh, where I do think this card is the sweetest and just for my stupid bruise, is that dumb, uh, that stupid deck I've tried to build forever with Goblin Electromancer and oh. Desperate Ravings and Lingering Souls, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where on turn three, you play Souls, Flashback Souls off of a, an Electromancer, right. which on turn one, if you've looting and put this in your yard, now you go Souls, Flashback Souls on turn three and then Flashback your, your Battle Screech on the same turn. There, free. there have been a lot of decks in my life where I wish I had more Lingering Souls, and this is a, another Lingering Souls. It's not as good as Lingering Souls, but it does similar things to that. And being a, the, the limitation of having to play with white creatures is not a limitation. <laughs> if they ever print a blue-white two-mana cost reducer creature, so like an Electromancer that has white in it, sure. or or like, they're all blue, but if there's just one that had white in it, then the deck is exactly what I want, because then I can... Wasn't, isn't the, isn't there a, the, there's the Bolus one, the one that does black and red spells are cheap, or blue and red spells are cheaper, it's black, isn't there a white one and a blue one? Uh, there's a white one that makes your blue and your black spells cheaper, Oh right, right, it's right. not they're, in modern, they're it's from Plane Shift. So oh, because the black one was in Time Spiral, so that's why it's the like blue weird. one. The yeah. blue Time one's in Time Spiral. Okay. The flyer. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. But it's not white, so it doesn't... Okay. Yeah, you Sorry. can cast this on turn three off of it, but then it, you can't tap it with the tokens to flash it back the same turn, which is what I need, so let's move on. So I think we should save the force cycle for not the white one. Okay. Cool. Uh, but we will get to it. Yes. We'll do all of... I think let's just do them separately as we as we get to them. The white one's not that good. <laughs> Let's, like, it's all right. Well, that's why I want to talk about them all together. Like, we're going to get in a conversation about the white one now, talking about why these cards are good for okay. the other ones right, that we're fair. not talking about right now. Okay. Um, the white one's not as bad as people say. It's it fine. Is, but I, I think it's I, much better than... I've seen some people, like, really bag on this card, yeah. and I think it's, like, perfectly fine. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk... Yeah, well, I want to go over the white one. I just think right now is... I think there's, like, a cycle moment, maybe, before gold cards. Uh, all right. Next card, uh, this we've had for a while. Two and a white, two white, white. Sarah Benevolent, uh, Legendary Planeswalker Sarah. Plus two, create creatures you control with flying, get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Minus three, create a four, four white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. Minus six, you get an emblem with if you control a creature, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. It is a four loyalty planeswalker when it comes into play. We've talked about it before. It was the first one of two spoiled cards when they announced the set. 
Uh, I have become higher on this card than I was when it was first previewed. I think that this is better than, say, Elsbeth in Modern at many most of the time. And I have played Elsbeth in Modern. Not six mana Elsbeth, the original four mana Elsbeth. Um, the fact that, like, four mana for a Sarah Angel is pretty decent that then like basically draws you a card from that point on that is either a that's a planeswalker like we would be talking about that card in consideration the fact that other things on text box is relevant makes it relevant to me i think yeah the first thing to say about this card is okay uh the obvious first look is this is sarah angel for four mana right it's not quite because it's not a creature it's a planeswalker but that's like the when you look at it they wanted to shock us with exactly that notion um I think that it's better. It's better, right? Yeah. It's one mana cheaper, and you get a card with it. Now, where I think this card is the coolest is if you are playing it alongside things that can make use of, say, blinking it or reusing it, because the payoff you get at four mana is so good anyway that even if you can't blink it or reuse it, it's still going to be fine to sit and play. But like, let's say you wanted to play this aside, like Felidar Guardian or something like that, in a deck that wanted Flicker to, Wisp. yeah, Flicker Wisp. Mm -hmm. I mean, stuff like that. Um, if you blink this even one time, it's very hard for me to imagine you losing the game. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the, like, even just without it, if they don't attack it, it you get two Sarah Angels out of it, right? It, yeah. Because it pluses two. So if you had three turns with it, you get eight power and toughness off of the four drop. Like, that's a lot. The fact that it's a plus two is the thing that I think I, like, didn't register. Not to mention the fact that it makes that angel a 5-4 when it attacks then on your next turn. And just play Lingering Souls before you cast this card. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and it's also cool that it gives you the rate that if you don't need the angel right away and you think Sarah can survive a whole turn, you plus two and then immediately get your worship emblem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last thing about this card, and I like that it's a 4-4 flyer with Vigilance that's playable because you want that in modern. Not only do you want four toughness for a bolt, but you want to be able to block a phoenix, hold back, right. attack, and still be able to block the next turn when they get a phoenix back. This is really good in that deck. If you path the first one, they're coming at you with another one. They bounce your they bounce your token with a thing in the ice, but you still have your planeswalker. Like having an active celestial colonnade in play has always been good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the last thing I wanted to say is. You know, classically, token decks in modern because of Lingering Souls are white-black, and Soren sees play in those decks. Yeah. This card, other than... This card in many different situations can be better than Soren, or can be... Lord of Innistrad Soren. Uh, Soren, Soul, and Visitor. Oh, okay. Sees more play than... Because the lifelink... Is and the yeah the just the mix of what it does is okay. better than I the just emblems. wanted to make sure we knew which one we yeah, yeah there's about. two Sorens both of them have seen play in the deck and it, like what is the actual better one is maybe debatable it's Soul and Visitor <laughs> uh, this is comparable to those and I think all three of them have different reasons to be playing each of them and I think it's just a metagame choice and or sometimes you don't want to play black or like you're splashing black and you just want to get your lingering souls back later and you're more of a black white red deck for instance that's white we're done with white officially. So that is all of the white cards. Uh, we have a little bit of time left. Should we start blue? Yes. Uh, I think we should try and get through at least two Let's see if we can get through blue. I'm trying to see if there's a color that is shorter than others, and blue is the second shortest, so sure. Done. First card, is it Archmage's Charm, or am I jumping ahead of myself? <sighs> nope, you're jumping ahead of yourself. I'm vetoing, well... No way. Not a chance. I'll take my 10 seconds. All right, Easy. I'm vetoing this card. There's one thing I do say that's positive towards it. Uh, one blue... Sorry, blue... Fairy Seer, Creature, Fairy Wizard, 1-1 one, one Flyer, when it enters the battlefield, Scry 2. Okay. Uh, why this card cannot be vetoed? Uh, first of all, any deck that wants to play Spellstutter Sprite has been looking for a one-mana wizard or a one-mana fairy that's actually good for years. There's a bunch of really crappy 1-1 one, one flyers that can't block and don't do anything, and you don't need to wait till turn blue to play your Bitter Blossom and then make a token and then flash this in. This is actually just a good thing that allows you in a blue tempo deck to keep a one-lander, scry away two non-lands, and draw a land for your turn two Spellstutter Sprite that you want. Not to mention, it's actually a wizard, so if you want to play this alongside, say, like any of the Wizards Lightning or Wizards Retort cards... This card is, they knew they needed to print something like this because we didn't have anything like this. You don't have to play Moth Dust Changeling or some other crappy one drop okay, anymore. You, don't, you no longer have to rush them on vetoing. Okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah. You, you like can keep talking about it. Ben, ben has hit all of, the, all of the reasons I love this card. I mean, the biggest one for me is just what I said. Spell Stutter Sprite is a card that has always been good and has never quite been where we needed it to be because it's mm -hmm. great to counter a Path to Exile or Thoughtseize. But it's not quite as good when you can't counter their like power two drop because they've killed your thing. And, and the fact that you have something that can grow and put pressure and draw you out of that one lander you're keeping. It's, it's, I like Spell that. Spell is always a turn behind, right? Like if it, because it's always like turn two, you can play it. But then from that point on, this lets you be at parity as far as what turn you're on by having a good one drop flying. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's relevant. Uh, and also, I don't recommend 
just like, oh, I have this card and only one land. I'm snap keeping it. Like, <laughs> well, where, where, the one other place that I do think we should pay attention to this card is that uh, standard obviously is really, really good right now with mono blue tempo. That's a thing. And having a 1-1 flyer on turn one that can dig you out of your, your bad draw or at least get you to your curious obsession on turn two or draw you your spell pierce or whatever it is you need to get to the next stage in the game, sure. I like. I He's, think that makes this card. The good. art is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, also, no it, eyes. doesn't, doesn't um, Ninja of the Deep Hours see some fringe yeah, modern the, play? The and this is a Bear great Delvers. guy to secretly be a Ninja yeah. of the Deep Hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. I'll agree with that. Uh, next card is Flusterstorm. One blue. Uh, it is just a blue. Instant counter target, instant or sorcery spell, unless its controller pays one. Storm. This was originally printed, I think, in the first Commander set. Yes. 2010 or yeah. 2011 yeah. or something? Yep. Uh, Flusterstorm is the big blue counter spell they printed in the set that's not new. It's the big reprint. Uh, yeah. We had been waiting. We didn't know if it was going to be Days or Force of Will or Counterspell, Memory it's Lapse. The, it's also the buy a box. So it's actually not in this set. You To get Flusterstorm, you have to buy a box and then you get it automatically. But it, but it is, it is now legal in yeah. modern. Same as all the buy boxes are legal in the standard and the modern. This is the same deal. It's Now it's uh, counter target instant or sorcery. It's not non-creature. Correct. correct. So I've always thought that the, the clamor for this card in modern was fine like i the idea of having this against a storm deck is really good and there are other places that i would love to have it but it's never felt like to me that just generally when i'm building a deck i would ever want this over spell pierce in my main deck it's just a powerful sideboard card like it's really good it'll be in sideboards i'm gonna need to own my own or borrow alex's for tournaments uh probably borrow alex's for tournaments but uh you know i don't I don't get that hyped. I guess about I own some Fluster Storms. Do you get hyped about this card? Oh, I think it's cool. I think it's another good piece. I think just Storm is never going to be good. I think it deserves to be in modern. I think it's. I'm glad that it's there. It's a great tool that will be available to a Blue Mage's toolbox, fighting things, whatever. Uh, I don't think it's that powerful. I think it. It's fine. I think Force of Negation is a much better card, and I would play that over this every single time. Well, we will get a Force of Negation in just a minute. Uh, but what's next? Uh, Everdream blue one instant draw card splice onto instant or sorcery two blue. So this is the first time we've talked about um, splice on instant or sorcery. Well, there's only two cards, and you guys didn't let me put the other one on the list. <laughs> the other one is not is. I think the other one's better only. than this. I disagree, but fine. <laughs> we can uh, I veto this card. Uh, I want. Can I talk about the white one then? <laughs> uh, okay. So the thing with the white one is it is playable in in decks like Empty the War and Token decks where you want to go infinite with your mana already, so the Fecundity decks. Oh, you're talking about the, 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 make, a, the make a Token the one? The Splice one, yeah. You maybe cut it. Move on from both. <laughs> I don't buy it. I, I'm okay. with Ben. I don't... When you say... <laughs> yeah, I don't buy any of the logic you're going with. I like cards that say draw a card and are blue and are instants. Uh, they cost I, mean, I don't think the fact that you can splice instant or sorcery onto a storm card and get the storm triggers off of it is relevant to talk about. It costs three to splice on. Oh, I see what you're saying. So if you spliced this onto Empty the Warrens, then every time Empty the Warrens stormed, you get to draw a card. Yes. So you can you can stitch on to a you guys not know but then we should talk about this because you guys didn't know this okay so the way splice onto an instant arcane spell is it adds the text to the card so that means any effects that happen to that card have the draw effect added so if you storm off or have a storm spell that then you splice onto so like if you fluster storm their thing and you splice on everdream then you get to draw x bit, yeah. cards equal to the number of flusters so for instance if you I grape shot for five because i have to kill their creature i can splice this on and also three, draw, draw five, five cards for three yeah, it's and so with the white token one which is the one that's more relevant to me for a deck like storm or a deck that is making a ton of mana like the fecundity decks sure. i can now splice onto my empty the warrens or grape shot getting a bunch of three threes out of the Got deal it. okay oh, and the best example of that is the new green life gain one that we'll talk about in the future where because that's a relevant card of the sideboard for decks being able to splice on three threes onto the gain life effect makes it i gain six life and get you know, three two uh, tokens. Okay, well, I, he then, I hear you. The veto yeah. effect does not work. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> <laughs> Merit Lage's Slumber. Merit Lage's Slumber. One of the blue legendary snow enchantment. When Merit Lage's Slumber or another snow permanent enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 10 or more snow permanents, sacrifice Merit Lage's Slumber. If you do, create Merit Lage, a legendary 2020 black avatar creature token with flying and indestructible. So this is the enchantment card that does what Dark Depths does. Mm -hmm. uh, it has the flavor that is stitched next to Dark Depths. It's cool. It was proven to me by somebody that like, again, in a blue-white control deck where you're playing a lot of snow basics and you probably have that snow removal spell we talked about earlier, you could play this and it's a win con that slowly but surely gets you where you need to get to. So 
with this and two lands in the play, you need seven more snow permanents. I don't think that's impossible to accomplish. It's annoying that this is legendary because there's not that many snow permanents that right. are two drops since the fact that this is one of them, but you can only ever have one in play makes it hard to trigger. Uh, I think people are going to try making it happen. I think we need a, I don't think we have the support yet for snow in modern to make it happen, but I think it's possible that we see more snow happen. In fact, the people have been talking about how snow might be the one mechanic that might actually come back in the standard set moving forward ah. because there is no snow commander card. So there's no commander for snow permanence in this set, which means we still don't have that. And a and snow think, plane could be design flavor cool. It, well, have, it wouldn't have yeah, to be If we same. ever went to that Viking world yeah, that right. is always being kicked around, that could be snow land. Right, right now the big, the big kind of theory of where we're going this fall is Viking Land, and that could just be a snow thing. And all of these snow cards, sorry, Mike, could have been plants for that set in modern to make it Got more it. supportable in modern, and, and I, then this card becomes relevant. And I think it's not irrelevant that it has that it scries one when it enters the battlefield, and now if you're playing the snow deck with all your snow basics, then all of your snow lands are like temples. They scry one when they enter the yes. battlefield, yeah, which is yeah. not that's not irrelevant. Not bad. Yeah, the fact that it kind of is a bad um, search for Zazkanta yeah. is like not irrelevant. Yeah. Last card before we move on for the day for part one of our set review. Prohibit blue one. Uh, instant kicker two. Counter target spell if its converted mana cost is two or less. If this spell was kicked, counter that spell if its converted mana cost is four or less instead. Um, this is an interesting one. I do think it's more playable than some people are giving credit for. People were like really hating on it at one point because they want this to be counterspell. I think that there's a, a pushback that the fact that this is not counterspell makes people unhappy, and so they're unhappy, and then they're not going to play it. But it's like slightly more playable than leak at this point. It feels like yeah, I would say it's better than leak and worse than romance. Uh, yeah, I yeah, right it, but it's but it's interesting and like cool that like. On the kick, you're going to be able to counter most things that are played, and this does counter a lot of the most important spells. Like, most of the most played spells in Modern cost one mana, and they're instants or sorceries. We've talked about this. Right. Like, you looked at the most played cards at the, at the Mythic Championship, and that's, like, what those cards are. So, the fact that this card is a counter spell for those cards, but then also has the added credibility later of countering a Mind Sculptor or countering something good that's expensive, yeah. eh, it's... But I don't expect it to see very much play, unfortunately. I think, I think it'll see comparable play to the Delve counterspell. So, um, all right, guys, that is going to wrap up part one of our Modern Horizons set review. Uh, we will get to the rest of Blue and the rest of the set uh, in the coming weeks. We might even do like multiple episodes here to make sure we get through it in like shorter than a month. We'll see. Depends how quickly Alex and I can get ourselves together to get the same room. Um, but a couple things to quick shout out before we wrap the episode up. As we mentioned earlier, please subscribe, like, comment, let us know what you think about what we're doing here on YouTube. Um, Alex and I will be at Grand Prix Seattle, Magic yep. Fest Seattle, the Big Modern Horizons event. We're doing a live, live show, yeah, live podcast at the event, which we're really excited about. Really honored the channel asked us to do that, which is the precursor for the event that we will be co-hosting, which is a uh, a, a Highlander Gauntlet competitive event at GP Vegas, uh, which is going to be in August. So go check that out. Uh, HighlanderGauntlet.com has all the rules. There's a full video that Eric Wydat's creator of the format, uh, and I did explaining all of the rules. You can actually find that on our YouTube channel. You can go listen to it right now. It's only five minutes long. Lays out the whole format, all the rules, how it works. Yep. So check that out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back very soon with part two of the set review. Thanks, Marshall. Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.